Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to another edition of Archivist Bets on Sexy Witches, a podcast from the Geek Girls perspective. And I am the head hauntress. And, well, uh, it's been a couple of weeks since our last show. Actually, it's only been about a week because I did have a special Sunday show about the Horrible Imagining Film Festival. And if you hadn't listened to that episode because it was on a weird night, go back and listen to it. It's not very long and it's very informative. And one of our girls, Emily Bennett, a sexy witch has been on the show, actually won an award for Bed, her new feature, her new short um, at the festival. So congratulations to Emily on that. Um, and, uh, well, it's going to be a great show tonight. Um, like, like this is by far one of my favorite guests we've had on the show, and that he's <laughs> racing our presence, and, and he's coming back. It's specifically to talk about a movie that I'm just fascinated by. Turkey Shoot is amazing. And that would be Brian Trenchard-Smith, and he'll call in around 9.30 uh, Eastern, 6.30 Pacific. Uh, but first, before we get to that, let's have a recap with our sexy witches. Uh, the, first, the first sexy witch is now relocated to Nevada. Is that correct? You got it. Yes. Yeah, so now residing somewhere in Nevada um, is my um, Enchantress of Nevermore in a much more desert setting. Please welcome to the show, Raven Jasper Hawk. How you doing? Welcome back to Sexy Witches. Hey, about the same, just a lot warmer. Hmm. <laughs> it was like 97 degrees outside. I was like, what? What is this glowing day ball? Uh, well, I mean, is it hot? Like, Portland was hotter than Nevada this year. Yeah. Um, yeah. But there's no central AC in Portland, so there is here. Oh, that is true. So, well, yeah. so, um, well, I'm glad you are successfully moved and everything is copacetic for you. Um, oh, I'll yeah. be right back. Let me introduce the other co-host of the Sexy Witches tonight, residing in the Los Angeles area in the Orange County, which is my uh, love-to-hate kind of relationship with Orange County, because it's got all the best (laughs) of everything in the United States, but this guy loves it there because Disney's there, not Fairy Farm is there, and anything else you want to go to that's movie or film geek related is also there, because it's Los Angeles. So please welcome to the show, Captain Pigtails himself, Eric Cousin. <laughs> How you doing? Hey, hey, not bad, not bad. How you doing? 
Fine. Uh, so uh, the FP Fest is now closed for ticket sales. Um, so next is the movie comes out. So and right get this, um, we are have our first theatrical release announcement. Um, it's going to play at the Nightmares Film Festival at the end of October. Uh, um, it's already been announced. So uh, it, I might go to Columbus, Ohio, and go see it next month. So we'll have nice. to see. So, uh, but anyway, I wanted to let you know that that's happening because I'm sure you want to join us for FP Fest, Mr. Kogan, because you're oh, in hell the movie. Yeah. She's in the movie hell quite yeah. prevalently. Uh, oh, so. dear. That frightens me. <laughs> it's all good. You're, yeah, yeah but awesome. oh my gosh, it looks it looks so good. All the scenes and uh, the, the little uh, bits that we've been uh, seeing trickle out on Facebook before they canceled me and, and shut me down. Yeah, uh, you're still in Facebook gorgeous. jail, right? No, I'm permanently banned. Is there a way you can get around it? I mean, do, are you okay? Yeah, no, it's... A new profile? I don't even freaking know. I guess that's what I'm going to do. I, I'm not supposed to, I think. I don't think I'm allowed to, but I'm going to. Well, we need <laughs> so, you for the you madness. Know. So uh, you are exactly. captain. Yeah. You're captain to Raven's team. So, you know, yeah, I mean, don't what can we do without you? <laughs> so we'll have to cancel you're everything. Right. I got stuff. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> And, you know, this is our yeah. last official podcast of the season. The next ones are all special episodes. The next one's <sighs> going to be the 22nd, and that's the live rules read of the madness. Um, and then there's going to be one or two, there's going to be a summer of death uh, podcast special because I'm going to go and see AEW Dynamite on the 6th of October. Ooh. And that up, and uh, we're going to also preview one of the biggest death matches tournaments in the country, Carnage Cup, which happens that following weekend as well. Um, and that, that episode is going to be Sunday the 3rd. And that's also the first weekend of the madness. So um, that will be a lot of stuff happening on that one but that's it but and then we do our, our our halloween episode our november episode and december and we're done season's over wow yeah so we got a, a couple more it's all we have happening one so next, fast yeah it, isn't that amazing so uh and so this yeah. is our last official one and so i thought we would we should do a recap of what we've been watching um since i had covid19 the last week and a half and I could not read anything. I had blurred vision for most of it, which was kind of freaky, actually. Um, I could read, like, trying to read medicine bottles was the worst. Oh, my God. Um, I've never needed glasses in my life, as you know, Aaron. And uh, Raven doesn't know that, but I know Aaron knows. I I don't Mm. wear glasses unless it's for blue blocking. Uh, And... um, I couldn't read anything, so I streamed a lot of crap while I was sick. But, you know, at one point I was so sick, I couldn't even change the channel. That's how sick I got. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Um, and so I watched broadcast television. I watched three episodes of Days of Our Lives while I was in COVID <laughs> quarantine. I haven't done that in forever. And there's still some of the like they're all in their sixties now and seventies, but there are a lot of the guys are still there. And like, I'm like looking at it going, dude, you still having trouble finding husbands and wives and you're in your sixties. Why don't you just give up? Um, 
Doug and Julie, <laughs> who are a way famous power couple that's been on the show for like almost most of their run, uh, he's now 95. Yeah. <gasps> I wow. saw him. Yeah, and I saw them, Doug and Julie, when I went to a mall. They they came to the mall when I was a kid, like <laughs> uh, when I was like ten. So it's like, oh my god, he's now ninety five. So that was very interesting stuff that happened on COVID. But I did actually stream some entire series. But and uh, but before I get into what I saw, let's go ahead and start with Raven and catch up with you. What have you been yeah. doing for the last? Other than moving, what have you been able to get in since, uh, you know, what you're reading, what you're watching, what you're doing? Yeah, um, well, I've been mostly staying indoors since I've gotten here because there's a really big, I don't know, like the biggest fire in California history happening right now in Tahoe. So the air quality is has been really bad, um, but it's just starting to head into what we hear will be clearer and healthier. So as far as exploring the landscape, it's upside down question mark right now, but that's all the more time to bench stuff, right? So um, (laughs) I was like, I'm going to check out one episode of Wellington Paranormal on HBO. And then I watched every single episode they had. I ran out in one sitting. Um, and I highly recommend it that, um, for anyone who doesn't know. It's the New Zealand comedy that's the precursor to what we do in the shadows. And um, if you recall in the film, there are two cops that were investigating the vampire's house. And those two cops are um, who the show is based on. So it's kind of like Reno 911 in New Zealand with vampires and zombies and stuff. Um, Oh, my God. I thought I was going to be my pants. Yeah. The first three episodes are good but not amazing but then like it just suddenly takes the ball and runs with it and there hasn't been a miss yeah. in season two yet season two is no, really it's all funny gold. um it so it, yeah um and and speaking of what we do in the shadows season three dropped and the first two episodes dropped last week um the next yeah. one opens tomorrow and it hasn't missed a beat either um nice. those guys I mean, I I still say that I was saying this to Nathan on the last episode. Takia Watiti has must have some kind of God like on his like favor because he's got the best living life. I mean, he was in Suicide Squad. His shows are all cool. He can direct indie yeah. films and the big Marvels if he wants to. And then he's also yeah. in DC Comics because he can. And, and, and he even makes awesome statements like Dojo Rabbit. Like, this guy is just amazing. So, yeah, uh, you know. Oh, my God. Taika's a Clement. Jew. Hmm? Taika's a Jew. Is he? A Polynesian is that, is that, Jew. He is. Really he's a member is that, of the tribe. Is that really oh. why he is so good at his job? I, yeah, chosen people, yo. What do you want? 
What do you uh, want? Okay. All right, all right, all right. I get that. <laughs> You're the one that brought up the god, so I just, you know, I, I wanted to, you know, put it in context. No, no, no. And, and it is cute. Well into paranormal is <laughs> totally cute. I really enjoy it. Oh, um, my God. Been... So good. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I didn't think the last one with the ghost cop was – no, no, the one before that was ghost cop was – uh, that strong, but all the other ones this season, in, including the clones, were just hysterical. Uh, the I first li- two I this season were laugh out loud funny. The yeah. witches one was great. Um, that one was yeah. awesome. Yeah. Um, I, I have to make sure I put the, yeah, the, the witches in the um, sexy witch uh, gallery because they're just badasses. Yeah. And, right uh, on. I also the, like the, the, the big Loch Ness monsters. From the first episode yes. of season, season Oh, my two. God, yeah. that was so good. That was a funny. It's beautiful. Oh, my God, so funny. It really was. Uh, yeah, so I, I really, really enjoyed that. <laughs> so uh, anything else, Miss Raven? Or- yeah, so I also started Only Murders in the Building on Hulu. Oh, yeah, how is that? Uh, I really liked it. Um, I, I thought it was going to be too, like, I thought it was going to be a generation too young. Um, and mm. I I think they did a really good job. Uh, so it's written and produced by Steve Martin um, and also stars Martin Short. Um, oh, gosh, I'm going to space on her name. Uh, uh, reading lady. Oh, yeah. So uh, Selena Gomez. Yeah. <laughs> okay, that's the one. That's the ticket. Uh, so they all live in the same old tiny building in New York, and Steve Martin is a retired television detective, and Martin Short is a Broadway director, but he's really not working because no one's working right now. <laughs> And then Selena Gomez lives in the building because her aunt owns the apartment and she's getting free rent by living there and renovating it by herself. But she's not doing very good at that either. So everyone's kind of just not living up to their potential, but they really like the building. Hmm. And there's um, a suicide that's reported in the building uh, and the building has to be evacuated. And as and all the tenants of the building kind of get together in a restaurant next door while they're waiting to be able to get back in. And the three main characters find out that they're all obsessed with the same true crime podcast, which is absolutely a spoof on serial. And hmm. the Sarah Canine is played by Tina Fey. So uh, that's always a bonus, even though um, Cecily Strong did a really good Sarah Koenig in SNL. I guess she's busy with Schmigadoon on Apple TV. Anyway, uh, they all decide together that, hey, maybe this wasn't a suicide and maybe this is a crime that we need to solve. And maybe we need to do a podcast about it because we have a director and an actor. (laughs) <laughs> and um, wackiness ensues. It's really it's stylized. Um, you know, it's got, I, I'd say it's probably about PG-13 rating. I think there's some some swears 
but you know, it's not mm-hmm. it's not crass, but it's also not like it's not trying to be for all audiences either. Um, and usually, when I'm, I'm watching stuff that's like about people who fictional, that's about people who like true crime, I usually do not like it. Um, and it gets kind of murder she wrote for me. But uh, this is younger and hipper, and the writing's really strong. Um, and so far, the the cast has been strong. I'm excited to see. Uh, I have a feeling there's going to be some more special guests and stuff. But that's on, I think it's only on Hulu. I think it's a Hulu original. And, um, only Murders in the Building is the name of it. Super good. Check it out. Excellent. I read that it was the the most watched or the fastest watched at that level uh, in oh, yeah. Hulu's history. Just yeah, wow. spectacular viewership. Yeah, no, it's solid, solid gold. Steve Martin, so, Martin Short, what's not to love? Right. So let's talk about Rick and Morty for a quick second. The last two oh, episodes okay. aired this weekend, and, and yeah. they were very different from the rest of the season but they also seem to be referring to how silly the season previous season was. Um, so um, I have to watch the last one again. Um, I always like when the Citadel and evil Morty shows up and he shows up and Armageddon breaks loose. It's pretty crazy. Yeah. Um, even for the show. So that was okay. And I also caught up with right before air. What if the new Marvel show? Oh, yeah. on yes. Disney. Um, it's Been actually pretty good. If. Yeah, um, I liked every single episode, but I still think the first one is my favorite. With um, with uh, uh, Miss with uh, was it? Well, was he Captain Peggy? Is that Captain Britain? Yeah, yeah. yeah. The the, uh, the, retro, the retro look of that one was really really cool. So yeah, there was. Um, Go ahead. Captain Carter, I guess, is what yeah, that's we were calling her. And, and, that's right. Uh, and this this is one of my favorite books going way, way back. Um, it, it was really a chance for Marvel writers at the time to take the, the characters, mess around with them in any which way they wanted. And the series has kind of been true to that, although I might say maybe a little tame compared to what it, it used to be. But um, the cap, the look of the Captain Carter, what if she were the first Avenger, if she had gotten the super soldier serum instead of Steve Rogers, was gorgeous. You're absolutely right. I 100% agree. And it still had a lot of good heart to it. Uh, the one that came after that was, uh, what if T'Challa, instead of becoming Black Panther. Oh, my God, yes. Um, I couldn't believe the feels on that one. Yeah, because all the voice actors are actually doing that, and that's the very last thing Chadwick Boseman did before he died. Um, Literally the last thing he did. So it's so moving. It made me want to cry when I realized it was really him doing the voice. I was like, oh, my gosh. No Um, doubt. And then the the real big feels one, what if uh, Doctor Strange had – well, you can't say turned evil, but uh, lost his heart. Not become the sorcerer su- supreme. Yeah, uh, the the tag for the movie was what if he lost his heart instead of his hands? But really, he just kind of lost his soul. But uh, the interesting thing there is it set up some things for the multiverse that might actually extend 
to the MCU. Uh, there's a lot of chatter on the fanboy pages about, well, is, does this mean things are going to extend over into the next Spider-Man movie, which we know is going to have a big Doctor Strange presence and probably a big uh, Scarlet Witch presence. So it'll be interesting to see if there's crossover between the What If series and the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And I'm guessing it is, but I guess we're going to have to wait and see. It's funny because, you know, I'm not a Marvel fan per se, but I do like the What If series. Ah, and, I, and, and I like what they're doing with it. But I also, I watched three superhero things while I was sick. And that was, I watched that. I watched <laughs> Invincible, which, by the way, is incredible. Yes. Um, and yes. I watched Titan. Um, two and a half seasons of Titans, which is funny because Invincible had me from episode one. I've watched one, two, and a, two and a half seasons of Titan, and I barely give a shit about the characters on that show. And oh. I don't, I, you know, I, I just find it kind of dull. Um, but I'm trying because you know I like the Titans. I like every other version of the Titans that exists. You know, yeah. <laughs> uh, all the animated. I haven't stuff started on that yet, so I'm. I'm interested to hear you say that. Um, I have a friend, uh, Thomas, who is uh, my regular Comic-Con pal, and he is big into the uh, DCU, much more so, I think, than Marvel. He's a big DC fan. And uh, I was wondering, actually, he sometimes listens to our show, actually. Hi, Thomas, if you're listening. Hello. Uh, I was wondering what he thought about uh, Titans. It looks good, but I haven't started any yet. I'm still making my way through Doom Patrol, which I absolutely adore. Which is a spinoff of Titan, because there's an episode with Doom Patrol in it. Um, so, uh, you know, but... Uh, I, I think I, Doom I'll Patrol probably, came before Titan. Maybe, but they're in they're in it, so for sure. I, oh, okay. So, Interesting. Um, I, I don't know which one came first, to be honest with you. Um, I, I The streaming services are just all over the place, and I just... Don't know what I'm watching. Have you time. have you looked at Lower Decks yet? No, I have not looked at Lower Decks yet. Uh, okay. What about you? you got to try. It's really good, no, and I, I love the Discovery too. And a lot of people like that one. Um, I don't have Paramount. And today but... is Star Trek Day. You know, fifty-five oh, I know. years. I have fifty-five years, yo. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Original fandom represent. Uh, you know. So, yeah. Uh, but. Anything else you want to throw on mis- the tape? We, we got about five minutes before Brian calls in. Brian turns out Smith calls in. Raven, do you have anything you need to absolutely need to throw on the table before the interview? <laughs> Just in general or like what I watched wise? Anything. Whatever's on the slab we need to throw out there that the world needs to know about. You know what? Just real, right quick. Uh, finally taken off of premiere access on Disney Plus, Plus is Cruella. Oh, yeah, I watched so Cruella. Yeah. I totally saw um, that. Check oh, it out. Uh, there are some huge accent problems, and other than that, <laughs> I 100% yes. like that. <laughs> <laughs> did you see Luca? Uh, yes, I did. That was cute. I think it's for boys. <laughs> but it's cute. Love the Luca. <laughs> Cruella yeah. did not need the Corella DeVille branding. Like, that movie could have stood on its own with just a little tweak. Um, you know, yeah. but I want to say that it's good. I think it's going to get a costumes nomination at Oscar time. I'm almost guaranteeing you it's going to. Yeah. Um, 
But Thompson was good, but honestly, Meryl Streep has that character nailed. Like, Miranda Priestly mm. is iconic. You can't really hold a candle to that performance. And I kept thinking about Miranda Priestly the whole time. And I like Emma Thompson a lot. So, um, but it's still a fun film. And, it, you know, and for a summer popcorn film, it was totally entertaining. So, right. Well, and and finally, something that's Disney but not Marvel that has a soundtrack that can stand on its own. Yes, that is true. And the soundtrack Great was soundtrack. pretty good for that. So yeah, I also like how it was like the fake Herods. Yeah, totally. <laughs> it was totally the there's fake Herods. Things, like... <laughs> there's a lot of branding that's not, you know, it's not the brand. It's like a spoof of what it's supposed to be, and they do. Some really clever stuff with that. Yeah, no, that's funny. I also saw I mean, one reality TV show I wanted to throw on the slab. It was called Cover yeah. Up. It's the tattoo. Yes, I watched that too. <laughs> that, it, it's a quick burn, like, like Aaron, you can burn through that so fast. It's, it's very light, yeah. light, light viewing. But it's actually kind hmm. of zen and cathartic to watch people get their bad tattoos fixed. Like, it, it oh, actually... Yeah, okay. You see them, like, their lives change because of it, and that's kind of cool. I also watched Glow Up, which is the beauty Mm -hmm. makeup (laughs) competition. That that show rules. I really like that show. I was so – I was getting – I was right in the height of COVID and super sick and depressed, and I was getting way too emotionally invested in the characters Um, (laughs) on the show. Uh, Also in that – reality TV that's like not actually stupid and annoying check out the hype on HBO it's a fashion competition but it's for streetwear Um, and there's a lot of Mm. awesome artists like Wiz Khalifa came on as um, you know to join the panel they get to design for amazing artists like singers rappers uh, some people already have their own lines and stuff, but it's really cool to see people who are like, I got into this because I couldn't afford name brand stuff. So this is why I'm doing streetwear. And so you get all these really cool ideas of how to kind of bling out your own stuff and make it look really cool. <laughs> with, Fantastic. Uh, less effort. Yeah. <laughs> all right, Aaron, throw one more out there. So we got time for one more. Um, and then... I have, well, uh, everything that you guys have been talking about, and then uh, also Sweet Tooth I've been watching oh, on yeah. Netflix. That I really enjoy that. And then the other thing I wanted to throw out is uh, actually a pizza joint in Long Beach called The Fourth Horseman. The next time you're out, we are totally dragging you there. It's okay. a horror-themed pizza joint. they got a t- couple TVs on the wall throwing all kinds of weird, old-school horror up. Nice. Uh, when we walked in, they were playing Motel Hell, which, you know, nice. farmer, it takes a lot of critters to make farmers whatever Vincent's fritters. Weird that choice a for a restaurant, favorite. but go with it. Fucking go with it. Family yeah, yeah. growing uh, up. And yeah, just uh really cool uh lots and lots of vegetarian options, which was mondo great considering we had a veggie head with us. And uh yeah, when you come out next, we'll drag you down there because it was really good and lots of fun. Oh, good. The Excellent. fourth horseman in Long Beach. Fourth horseman. Excellent. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, that's that's basically what I watched 
everything we listed, um, and that was kind of what I, when I went. I almost forgot that I saw Corella develop. I also saw a Fulci movie um, and I hadn't seen before. Oh. Yes, there are a few I haven't seen. Not very many, but hmm. uh, Manhattan Baby, which is like so weird. Hmm. Gotta see if it's second. if I've seen it. No, I haven't seen it. I don't also think I called either. Eye of the Evil Dead. Yeah, it, it's mm. not very good. And when I say that, that we're Aww. talking about Fulci here. Um, hold on. Um, actually, give me a moment. I have we're having technical difficulties. Talk about something Perfect. amongst yourselves. Coffee talk. I'll be right back. I so. did watch the two and a half hour American version of of uh, the good, the bad, and the ugly with extended English dialogue. And oh, we had two and a half hours. <laughs> that film still fucking rocks. I I mean, <laughs> I can't believe how good. I, I just at two a.m. in the morning, I got stuck in, and I was down for the whole thing. Um, yeah. just so iconic in so many ways. I mean. Morricone, Clint Eastwood, just goddamn, that's a good film. I've forgotten how good yeah, that is. Yeah, it'll take up most of your day, but it's worth it. <laughs> all right, let's see if this works. Then, Hold on, thank you guys. Um, all right, five hundred three, you're on with the sexy witches. Hey, hey, is this Brian? Uh-huh. Sir, I could not recognize your voice. Hello. 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 Okay. <laughs> so I was going to give an awesome, like the most coolest intro that I could give for you, sir, but just pretend like it happened. And um, once you introduce yourself <laughs> to the world here and who, who well, you are and post. what you are, and welcome to the Sexy Witches. We are so honored to have you back. Hello. Hello. Sorry. Can you hear uh, me? Hello. This is, hi. I. I'm having communication difficulties. I'm uh, anyway. This is Brian Trenchard Smith. Hello. Am I connecting hear, with you? Yeah. Yes. Can you hear Excellent. any of us? I am getting double echo on both of you. Oh my oh gosh. gosh. Okay. Right, so right. Uh, okay. So I just sent you, sir, um, to your email a direct. Why don't you try that? Yeah, I think. Just a second. Pers- um, I'm so you can't focused hear me on now. my email. I can't see it. Which email did you send it to? The one you just gave me, sir. Okay. Sorry about this. You know, this, this show, yeah. uh, sometimes the sound is just ridiculous. Um, BYS141 at MSN. That no, one. BTS. BYS. No. Oh, no. You, BTS. You put, oh, you put as BYS. As in my initials. Uh, oh, see, it says BYS on the thread. Hold on. Okay. That's what it is. Let's, <laughs> let's fix that right oh, now. Oh, the magic of live radio. <laughs> oh, my God. The mad. Okay. Well, you know it. <laughs> yes, I'm sorry. You're absolutely right. Uh, unfortunately, I don't have sensation in my right thumb, forefinger, and index finger. And sometimes it. In yes, low light situations, those fingers hit the wrong keys, and I don't even notice. Oh, so uh, anyway, well, so am I live you, at the moment? Am I? You are uh, live, uh, sir, and good. you're on. And thank okay, you for I calling in. 
And okay. welcome back to the Sexy Witches for people who do not know who this is. But if you're listening to my show, you absolutely know who this is. Well, um, Catherine, this is... Uh, we, we spoke last year. Yeah, well, it was spoke, yeah, right. we actually spoke two years ago, believe it or not. Well, two um, years ago. Oh, it yeah, that long. Two, yeah, yeah it, 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 was, it was two springs ago. Um, I actually re-listened wow. to it. Um, you, you're, at that time, you were about to have a bunch of new fawns. Um, but they hadn't dropped yet, and we talked about overview of your wonderful career, uh, which, you know, Dead End Drive-In and uh, Turkey Shoot, and what else did we talk We talked about pretty much everything. Man from Hong Kong. Night of the Demons it, 2 would have interested Night of you Demons interested 2. Your horror, horror audience, I would have thought. Yeah, absolutely. Yes, indeed. Uh, but tonight, um, I actually called you on specifically to talk about Turkey Shoot. And this is why. Um, I I have a contest I've been doing for 14 years called the Halloween Horror Movie Marathon Madness. It's a month-long contest in October. Usually it's a binge contest. You watch as many horror films in a month, and then there's a point system, and you win. But this year we're doing doing it a little differently, and we're going to have a battle to the death. So we're going to have a a, a 32 a 16 slotted bracket and get down to the final film and there can be only one um turkey shoot is automatically seated into the bracket um so yeah. you're you're already in in the mo- you're already co- in competition because our theme this year uh is hunting humans uh dystopian futures and action horror and you and turkey shoot kind of checks all those boxes sir yeah it does, yeah, it does actually yes, it does. yes. <laughs> Fans of all uh, you know, that, that, that sort of genre radius, um, I think we'll have a good time. And certainly if you I- enjoy retro cinema and you can see cinema as a reflection of you know, the, the culture of the times it was you know, uh, released in, uh, uh, then, you know, then it becomes even more interesting. But uh, I'm finding you know, teenagers and... You know, 20-somethings who've never heard of it and then are sort of discovering it and think, whoa, what's this? And, uh, and the, you know, they appreciate the, the blend of action, horror, and you know, p- political message, political satire. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and, but it, it just took a while to find it. I mean, it did really well, pretty well in its opening, but it took a while to actually find its audience because it's an adorably hot mess, as you even profess it is. Um, and, but <laughs> like, there's a lot of us that actually really adore Turkey Shoot. I, I'm one of those people. Um, uh, it, just the whole, the whole absurdity of it. And I, I have a huge thing for dystopian futures. Uh, so yeah. I, I love, I love I love it. I love the time period. 82 was a great year for cinema. So I'm mm-hmm. kind of glad you came out in 82. Like well, some of my favorite movies of all time came out in 1982. Um, so, uh, but it was not an easy thing, this shoot. I was reading, I read, I read your book, by the way, that just came out, Adventures in the B-Movie Trade, Brian Trenchard's yeah, memoir. <laughs> um, it's very, very large, actually, but it has lots of beautiful pictures as well. Um, and of course, I read about Turkey Shoot, and I rewatched the movie and listened to your interviews. And I want to give you like I don't even know. You need a hug still from after that experience. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a bit. You know, it, it took it took me a while to get paid too. 
um, oh. the, the collapsing budget situation. But uh, uh, look, oh. uh, yeah, I was dealing with basically honorable people, so they just had a cash flow problem. Uh, and uh, so it took me towards, uh, until after I finished the movie, uh, really to get paid. But that was fine because I, I, I got other work from them in the meantime. But uh, uh, it was, um, yeah, it, it, it was a difficult experience, but I, I was determined to, to, yeah, to try and achieve as much of my vision as I possibly could and trying to, you know, even with the sudden budget shortfall, to deliver to, you know, the the fans of, you know, dystopian sci-fi action horror, the, you know, entertainment values they were expecting. And and it is an extremely entertaining film, and as most of your films are. And oh, actually, I was say all your films are. I love your movies. I watched it's so many. Like I told you when I first uh, was doing research for our first interview, how many of your films I had actually seen that I didn't know was directed by you. Uh, you basically <laughs> raised me in the '80s, and I appreciate that a lot. Thank you, sir. Um, gave me <laughs> good taste in film. Uh, <laughs> so uh, well, that's good. Yeah, yeah. Uh, even my bad films are entertaining. So all of your films way. are entertaining in some ways, <laughs> but like, but the story behind the turkey shoot is equally as entertaining. I mean, so much was going on on that shoot. Like the budget shortfall, like reduced your cast, even though you had this huge set to fill. Um, you still had your pyro guy, and he was amazing. Uh, mm. You know, so that's that. that it, it, it's. Yeah. Where do you want to begin with our? our, our I mean, my, I tell you, my, my brilliant, yeah, Go my ahead. brilliant prosthetic makeup guy, Bob McCarran, who uh-huh. yeah. uh, did uh, Thatcher's head and shoulders blowing off. He, his budget got truncated, and that took a lot of great, you know, uh, horror yikes shots uh, uh, that would be really impressive out of the equation. Uh, it was decided by the producers to preserve the, the pyrotechnics budget because uh, all the powder had been bought, all the phosphorus had hmm. been bought, uh, you know, squibs had been, you know, had been created, um, so you might as well use them, uh, but the stuntmen are not only going to be paid to fall over, um, and uh, huh. they, they, should get, they should do that for their, you know, their daily pay. And that was the philosophy. So uh, I lost that extra glossy splash of paint that I could have put into the movie in, you know, in various areas if Bob McCarran's uh, makeup budget had been preserved. I mean, the, the, the money we, that didn't turn up suddenly was subtracted from the below-the-line budget, not from the the stars or the or me i just didn't get paid until there suddenly was money <laughs> but, uh, uh, but you know in other words there were people that had to be paid every week the, the the actors the crew and the stars uh and the executive producers and the, the writers and everyone they all had to get a payoff on commencement of, of commencement commencement of uh, principal photography so um uh, but the, you know, the shortfall came out of the below-the-line budget, and Bob McCarran's makeup department suffered uh, somewhat. So that Alf, the the 
the mutant uh, uh, right. you know, was not you know anything like what I had hoped because you know I, I'd wanted a Aww. prosthetic limb that you could see through. I wanted uh, you know, uh, various other things, all of which were possible uh, if he had the money to do it. Uh, and uh, so, uh, you know, he would have been a much more interesting mutant creature who he could have been regarded as a uh, a product uh, gone wrong of a you know some kind of biochemistry or you know weapons creating ex- genetic experiment uh, or robotic fusion or whatever. Um, but when we only had money for a little bit of fur uh, and some prosthetic mm-hmm. eyeballs uh, and some you know gnarly teeth, um, <laughs> then I had to quickly change it to uh, you know you know he's a freak. I found him in the circus. Um, so uh, and it you know all, all of the previous. Uh, you know, sci-fi elements. You, I suppose you could maybe, you know, assume that they were present in the the current Alf, but it was not the Alf that I wanted. Uh, mm-hmm. And uh, and, and yeah, you know, I knew that Alf had to sort of throw people around and be nasty. Uh, so I cast a very good wrestler, Steve Rackman, who not, no longer with us, but he he played. Uh, Crocodile Dundee's best friend Donk in Crocodile Dundee, and he had many roles in. in, in oh, I know who he is. Uh, yeah, uh, and you saw him in Mad Dog Morgan. Um, uh, I think mm-hmm. actually sodomizing uh, Dennis Hopper. Uh, <laughs> thing, I guess which was yeah, that, that, that's 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 a role of a lifetime. Uh, that's but, a um, really good uh, movie. I, I actually yeah, Lee Mora did a wonderful job. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so. Uh, Anyway, it was um, so. The, the, while the experience of the shoot it progressively became more traumatic, uh, uh, and then I kind of restored the film within my own psyche, so to speak, during the editing process and the, the resolution of how to solve certain problems. The first 15 pages of the scripts having been torn out because they were too expensive, and that was just sort of wow. 1980. That was the 1984 element. You know, I was blending three movies generically in my own mind. The, you know, 1984 meets the camp on Blood Island, and they play the most dangerous game or the naked prey or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, hunt the humans, you, you derivative you choose. Um, uh, but I suddenly lost 1984. And that was 15 pages of a 94-page script, and sometimes pages don't go at a minute a uh, page. Uh, so you have to deliver over 90 minutes. Um, so that was a challenge that, uh, that became obvious. And I lost a four-page helicopter chase because the helicopter was too expensive. The actor, the star had been cast in it, wanted $50,000 because he was probably the the most famous Australian uh, late, you know, well, nighttime talk show, you know, variety show host, you know, playing, a, you know, an, 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 you know, an American gung-ho hunter hunting from a helicopter with great lines. Oh, he had great <laughs> lines. I knew Graham Kennedy could really pull it off, but he said, I'm a star. I want 50 grand. 
because I'm really going to light up your box office and bring my audience to your movie. Uh, but when the shortfall happened, uh, no more you know, Graham Kennedy. Uh, so the solution was, well, abolish him, his part and you know, somehow give the victim he was to hunt to the other hunters. Uh, you'll, you'll fix it, you know, work it out. So <laughs> I did. Um, uh, but, but, but that was um, the truth of everybody on set. You all kind of pulled together, and you actually produced something that was had a beginning, middle, and end, and and worked yeah. within a lower budget. Which, you know, for us indie people that have no budgets at all, it, it's a real inspiration for us. That's why we love the yeah. behind the scenes story. It's actually a story of triumph, even though there's great difficulty. No, I, I agree. And one, you know, one of the things that I try to be on a movie is a good team leader and to infect my cast and crew with my own enthusiasm for the project. And um, now, while I was enthusiastic and remained enthusiastic, there was no denying the facts that suddenly a seven-week shoot uh, was a five-week shoot. Uh, and, uh, um, and large chunks of the script had been torn out. So that naturally gave everyone a slight feeling of um, you know, a, a loss of confidence, shall we say. Mm-hmm. So in those circumstances, the captain of the ship has to you know, restore that confidence and be cheerful, even though I feel you know, that I'm being, you know, you know, my, you know, my balls are being regularly assailed, um, uh, my creative <laughs> balls, let's say. Uh, and... Um, uh, and I just have to sort of somehow, you know, go with the flow uh, and lose certain things and then try and beef things up in other ways. So I decided, uh, yeah, and, and I also had to vamp, you know, every day and create more screen time out of wow. fewer pages and yet make it interesting. Uh so I invented some things that were interesting and perhaps some things that were less interesting. You know, you, you pay your money and it takes your chance. Uh, uh, and, and, but it was, it, it's, it's the nature of, you know, uh, 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 the fluidity of the battlefield. And to a degree, sometimes a shoot is a battlefield in which you are trying to overcome obstacles the whole way and, and occasionally the resistance of others. Uh, but... Um, as you point out, Catherine, that uh, I, I, it was evident that I had the support of a, of a crew. Everyone realized after the initial dismay, well, you know, you know, it's not his fault, that he's trying to do the best he can with the circumstances he's been delivered. And uh, so you know, we'll help him the best way we can. We'll, we'll be there for him. Um, and when a few th- scenes started to come together such as the parade ground scene which the paucity of extras was managed by clever framing, composition and staging so that 70 people were made to look like a lot more um, by creating triangular formations and linking a triangle with three people in foreground and everyone else in the triangle beyond. And then when you did a reverse angle, you you reversed it and you put all the, the people in the front 
that had been seen closely in the back and vice versa. So a scene like that, which, you know, could have been, the crew would have been able to tell, you know, this this huge parade ground uh, and so few people, um, uh, we avoided that. So that restored a bit of confidence. And then also we were living in a, you know, working in a wonderful uh, North Queensland resort of Cairns, which I strongly recommend all your listeners to visit. Yeah, let, let's talk about the the terrain itself because the Queen the the area of Queensland that you're shooting in, first of all, is gorgeous, but it's kind of a double-edged sword because it's extremely wet. Um, and there's a lot of rocky terrain. Obviously, you're shooting in valleys, and people are climbing around in waterfalls and burning down a cane fields, which looks great on camera, by the way. Uh, and yeah. um, well, you know, we, we burned it down. Yeah, <laughs> uh, and they were. Ha- and I, I, I was reading about that. Like it was actually like they wanted to burn it down, so it kind of was beneficial to you and the. Well, it is much better that you burn a farmer's property with his permission, I find. Yeah, it's very nice. I've heard I mean, that. Well, yeah. but, but I also know you were in Parkland just knocking down trees with some of those bulldozers. So, you know, <laughs> well, it goes yes, both I don't ways. know who owned those trees. I think they were kind of sort of, yeah, they were Parkland. Uh, anyway, we had permission to film there. Uh, and, you know, I, 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 I'm in mea culpa. You know, I'm guilty of a bit of bush bashing. Uh, but uh, uh, yeah, but uh, uh, but it, it didn't really seem to matter, and I have a nasty feeling that <laughs> that particular location uh, where I was bush bashing is probably a you know, you know a residential area by now. Um, yeah. Oh, I'm so, sure. You know, uh, yeah. Is it true that you turned off the a waterfall that was actually feeding water to a town? We, we turned off. The water supply to Cairns. Completely. Um, uh, well, you know, uh, the, 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 I know the monster. Oh God, how can you do that? Sorry, film directors are monsters. Um, no, uh, we worked it out that it would take half an hour before really people started to, you know, lose, you know, there, there would be a diminishment of the water supply which, uh, when we shut down Barren Falls. But in order to get the shot, we had to, you know, create safety for the performers. So we shut down Barren Falls uh, uh, for certain things, and we opened it up again uh, uh, for other things where it was safe to see how powerful the water was uh, and I didn't want my you know stunt coordinator Kerry Russell who gratis for his basic fee doubled uh, Steve Railsback falling into the water in uh, some water that was going to sweep him down the falls and ultimately into the drainage of Cairns um, so um, you know so sure, I, I I I thought we can we can do this in time, and you know we just did it in time. Though you know we got a call saying yeah the water levels diminishing down here in the town. Are you done yet? Uh, and, uh, and at that point I said yes, we are 
just finished. And you know, <laughs> once we let the water back on again, it was very quick to get back down uh, to the town. So that sort of thing would never be allowed, I'm sure, in Canada. I mean, I've made nine pictures in Canada, and I love Canada, uh, and I've always loved shooting there um, because everyone is so nice uh, and, uh, and, and helpful, and they, they enjoy their work. Uh, and, you know, I, I always had a good time. I shot three in Toronto and, uh, well, three in Vancouver and one that I took over and fixed. Um, and uh, two in Calgary and I probably have missed one somewhere. Anyway, um, I, I, I really enjoyed shooting Canada. Anyway, my, uh, my crew were, you know, I always had good luck with crews all over the world, whether you're shooting in the Philippines, shooting in Hong Kong, shooting in the UK. Um, I was always connected with a bunch of people who loved the work and wanted to work hard, know when they're going to finish the day, and sure enough, you finish the day on time, and very occasionally you go 10 minutes over, but they allow it, and then yeah, you finish 15 minutes or half an hour earlier another time. And the crew love you, and uh, and we're always <laughs> off to the races every day. So anyway, sorry, shooting in Canada, a little digression, digression for your listeners, yeah. which I oh, assume are mainly in Canada. Uh, you know, because Canada, a lot of people like to shoot up there. It's either Canada or Georgia. Uh, most of my colleagues are in one of those Georgia. places. No, but, but crews are crews all over the world. There are a certain kind of you know, a nomadic breed, let's say. They, they're they infected by the filmmaking virus and they, are, they, they you know, will go you know, like gypsies to wherever they can practice their craft. Uh, and uh, I love that. I, 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 you know, I have the virus, the only virus I would not have a vaccine mm. for. Right. Uh, so I hope you are thoroughly vaccinated, and I hope all your listeners are thoroughly vaccinated. Um, we not, are yes, all indeed. vaccinated, but I have just mm-hmm. recovered from COVID-19. I had a breakthrough case. You had a breakthrough? I had a breakthrough case. case. How, how many people do you both know that are having these breakthroughs? Um, and at least one other person. Um, I actually think there's two My that I know for sure. My had one. Yeah, my sister has it, a it's going up. Yeah, you have no. my sympathy, obviously, and uh, and thank God you were vaccinated because yeah, uh, yeah. Amen um, in deep shit. My my uh, co-host who's not on tonight, Nathan Hamilton, also got the same strain of COVID I did. Um, he had it rougher than I did, and we, we both were like, if we weren't vaccinated, one of us would be in the hospital. We were almost certain of it. Uh, so now do you? Um, do you, do you know in, in any way whether this was the Delta variant or, uh, or the earlier COVID? I absolutely believe it's the Delta variant because I live yeah. in Maryland. We are at 86% in our state. Um, so absolutely. But we have high transmission rates for Delta variant. Um, and uh, Anne Arundel in particular, where I live, is having a very high level. And I'm pretty sure there I got is. it from here. Yeah. Oh, my so, Why have I been laboring under this delusion that you were a, a Canadian Wiccan? I have no idea, <laughs> but that's very flattering. 
I know quite a few Canadian uh, female filmmakers. I, I am making movies now uh, since I've seen you. Oh, I've good. also made um, two, no, actually three dystopian comedies. Uh, one already came out, Beat the Rage. I was an actor in that. Matter of fact, can I tell you a funny story, sir? Related to that, and okay, so like you know the crowd thing you were talking about, we totally ripped that off. Um, all right, let's see. Are you all there still? Hello. Yeah, I'm still here. Okay, yeah, my my (laughs) my thing went back. Okay, um, but um. So we totally use that idea because we, uh, we're obviously shooting with a lot fewer people. I mean, we don't even have the, your budget. We have like, you know, 20 grand. That's it. Uh, you know, so we, we stagger people around. They put me in this costume that looks kind of like if Carmen Sandiego was, was drunk and ran over by a wheelbarrow, um, you know, uh, which could be possible on this set, actually. Uh, and um, so they, they reshuffled us, right? Because that's how you do it. You reshuffle the the actors in another shot, so it looks like the different people. But I'm yeah. in the wraparound for that shot, mm-hmm. so you look at you. You can actually see me in both shots. It, it is hysterical, and only I would notice that because I was in it. I know the filmmaker, <laughs> but I was looking for you. <laughs> yeah, well, you were looking for me. But it's just, it's just so funny to see. I, every time I see that shot, I'm like, oh no, there I am. <laughs> Oh, it's really funny. Yeah. Well, but that's funny. No, I mean, it's, it, look, it, it is a problem when you're doing crowd scenes. You've only got so many extras. Uh, yeah. How it, do you it, fill it, the background? So you, you duplicate it. And I, I, mean, I did a, a movie in Dublin uh, with Leah Thompson and uh, Stephen Brand um, uh, and uh, called The Cabin, which was yeah, a, a, on the Hallmark Channel and catered to the Hallmark audience, I think, quite uh, effectively. Um, <laughs> we had a dance scene where people, lots of people had to do Highland dancing. Of course, we're shooting in Ireland, but luckily there's enough Celtic understanding and influence naturally in Ireland. Uh, so they were very able to do Scottish and do Scottish accents. Um, um, so we had this dance scene, and uh, it... it, it, it it had to be, you know, it was flung at me in a hurry, and what we could get was about 25, maybe 28 extras plus uh, six members of the principal cast, and suddenly my my interior uh, was quite big. I was, oh, you can do it in that barn there. Okay. Oh, this is kind of a big barn. Um, so yeah, how do I make it that this sort of – this packed hall you know, is packed with you know, basically a little over 30 people. Um, so obviously use everyone in, in every shot um, and frame accordingly. And so my delightful Irish lady assistant director said, so they've brought all their sisters and cousins and aunts to the ball, have they? Uh, and, uh, and they all look alike, don't they? Yes, and uh, so I, I yes, definitely. And sometimes, you know, they they changed, you know, tops and they 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 changed sashes and things like that. Uh, and, and you know, it worked quite well because the eye is on the foreground. You're interested in what the actor, the character, is doing, and uh, uh, so you're less interested in the background. Every member of the crew and the continuity person 
is is focused on the background thing. I've seen him before. I've seen her before. Um, mm-hmm. but, you know, the audience isn't. So, no, no, I mean, no. It, it, only people that knew who I was and knew to look for me saw me do in the wraparound, you know. But it was a funny chuckle, like like after we screened the film for the first time, and Jason goes up to me and he goes, "Did you see you were in that wraparound?" And I'm like, "Yes, yes, I did." <laughs> you know, it's like, oh, but you know, it's still um, a shameless plug, which I know you appreciate, sir. Um, my the 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 next film in the series, which I actually am a producer on. This is my first oh, on producing credit. Um, I've been associate producer on a on a film called The Stylist this year, but that was basically throw money and take the credit kind of thing. Um, this is actually a liberal love, and um, the FP3 comes out um, on virtual on the first week in October, and then at Nightmares Film Festival uh, two weeks later. So I have a movie coming out. So. Wonderful! Congratulations. <laughs> yeah. and, and, and you are definitely. Happens. And it's definitely you're an inspiration because we're doing a dystopian black comedy um, as well. I mean, not even black. I don't even think that are really that black comedies are they, Aaron? They're really just kind of like there uh, are elements. They're I, homages. I mean, oh, definitely. Yeah, and uh, it, it's definitely dystopian with uh, uh, the booze having run out and uh, everything being, as the characters say, shit everywhere. It, it heavy on the uh, heavy on the uh, 980s and 90s aesthetic. We actually rip off entire sequences from other movies. Like we open the beats of rage with the Conan with the Conan scene up on the mountaintop. Okay, you know we're not Good. we're being we're oh, derivative no, on purpose. The, <laughs> I think you know, there are fun movies that will draw an audience that are homages and satirical pastiches of other films that people have loved in the past. And we have, a, there's a whole history of them being done, admittedly on a slightly bigger budget than obviously you have. But, you know, there, there are, if you can come up with a film that has clever homages uh, throughout that, you know, still propel the story, uh, and and have a wry subtext, uh, then you know you, you've got something that 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 has you know uh, potentially has some legs. Question is how for all indie filmmakers, uh, and I was much luckier when I was an indie filmmaker to you know get in and get the resources, the sixteen grand I needed to make my first film. Uh, and things like that, and the eight grand that I you know, made my next film with, and the thirteen grand I made the film after that with, and so on. So uh, I, I I know what it's been like to make a film with your bare hands uh, and a budget best described as the smell of an oily rag. And two days of freezing temperatures up in the hills. Uh, we were in the Ooh. national parks in Valencia, above Valencia, mm. in that area. So cold. Freezing like, rain. Oh, freezing rain. Oh. Um, it, it, it actually stopped the set, shoot, dead. And I'm sure you understood that. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and, it, and when the sun went down, it was just the coldest I have been. We were up in Fraser Park. Do you know where that is, sir, up in the mountains? No, I don't know Maryland at all. No, no, no. This is actually the Great hey, Line in L.A. California. Oh, we LA. Shot, we yeah. Shot, uh, so yeah. Above, above LA, yeah. 
above L.A. I you mean, know, you go past Magic Mountain, and then above at the top of the Grapevine there, there's a national oh, park. Oh, the Grapevine, nat- yes. Oh, yeah, that, that yeah. frees the balls off a brass monkey up there. Yes, <laughs> it's so cold. Yes, it and would. And I'm saying that from being an East Coaster. We were so cold on that set. Uh, but nobody – I was amazing. Uh, all the extras were – I was kind of being a, a cheerleader for the extras, keeping them in a good mood. And uh, but nobody complained. It was one of the roughest shoots I've done, and that was the second time I've shot on that mountain. Um, and oh, good for um, you. and and it was just, but we it got done. It got in the can, and it's coming out. So, and Jason is mm-hmm. the director, and mm-hmm. he's really the guy, the power behind the throne. But I get to, also, but I actually was, I I was, it was so neat to be on my first set and actually say, yeah, yeah. I'm a producer, and well, I'm picking things up Jason. and. You know, and I'm telling people what to do, and they're actually listening to me. Oh, what is that about? Uh, you know, if you speak from knowledge and conviction, and you have some experiences to, you know, you've been there before; they have not, so you guide the way. Uh, so, I mean, that, that's you know, if filmmaking is a collaborative medium, and I've always found that if the upper echelon show that they care about the lower echelon, let's say on the economic totem pole, uh, that, uh, you know, everything runs much more smoothly. You know, the, the voltage is higher uh, when, you know, there's, you know, a, an esprit de corps um, born by the fact that, you know, you, you know, the workers know that management cares about them and they all have a common purpose, and they're going to get the, sh- the job done, and uh, you're, you're going to feel satisfied with the day's work at the at the end of the day. And and, yeah. and the and and the, everyone who was on the mountain with us or wanted to be there. Like like it didn't sure. matter. It, almost everyone up there was happy, and or or even if they weren't happy, they were content to be there. And it's weird because our movies, uh, you 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 understand cult followings, obviously, because Turkey Shoot definitely is one of those films that yeah. for you know it, six people watch it six thousand times a day, you know, instead of six thousand yeah. people <laughs> watching it once. Right. That's it. We have a very small fan base for the SP films, but they're kind of rabid and scary in good way. <laughs> rabid is <laughs> very, the word I would use, rabid. <laughs> rabid. They're very enthusiastic, and, and it, it's awesome. Um, so, it, it, and it's kind of, like I said, you definitely are an inspiration to me to watch you. Well, you, you and, you and De, uh, Don Custarelli are, like, like when it comes oh, to indie John, filmmaking. What a great guy. You, uh, I know yeah, you know he, him because he's he, Master of Horror Dinner, right? So... so yeah, no, I mean, I met him a couple of times. I've been to his house, it's a, which is a, a wonderful museum of, you know, horror and sci-fi, uh, uh, particularly horror artifacts and posters. Um, and uh, I'm, I'm very pleased that, uh, that he has done well because he, he deserved it. Uh, and uh, um, so, yeah, it's, uh, you know, it, he, he, you know, he, he knew how to make, something out of, you know, very little with Phantasm and built from there. Mm. And he, he managed his career. And then he he came up with this extraordinary, you know, Baba Hotep uh, idea. Which I forced really people to go showed... see it with me in the theaters when that came out. Mm-hmm. I, made, I made people trek to New York City to go see it. 
Yeah, I mean, if you want to see something that's a really different riff on a familiar theme, oh boy. They, and what a brilliant mind came up with that idea. So, Don Coscarelli, I take my hat off to you. Anyway. Well, are you, well uh, have you read his book? Uh, I know you have your memoir out. Um, yeah. Have you read his well, book, True Indie? Uh, yeah, I'm going to. It's on my list. I'm. It, it's, you know, your book is going to be right next to that one on the shelf, by the way. Well, I already good, have good, that good, one. Good. So. Well, I, I, <laughs> I, I don't know whether Don has read my book. I know he, he knows that I'm going to read his book. Uh, and uh, uh, but I, yeah, I, I think we will each enjoy each other's books because uh, yeah, we'll, we 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 sh- we share war stories and mine have a slightly different flavor to his and uh, uh, so it's uh, it, it's really interesting to um, you know, to, to read and compare. Uh, so. Yeah, I mean there are quite a few filmmakers that have put out their books. I mean, uh, you know, uh, Sam Furstenberg, for instance, has uh, talked about his experience with Canon, um, who, uh, you know, insane, an enthusiastic bunch of burglars, uh, <laughs> and uh, they, they, they did cause a lot of films to be made, and we all benefited from that. Mm-hmm. And those of us that had uh, that, and he, he, you know, did a number of. Yeah, you know, films for them and made them a lot of money. Um, so, uh, uh, but uh, uh, so there are you know, quite a few books out at the moment from filmmakers who are, let's say, in their twilight years. Um, you know, I'm personally <laughs> at the the height of my powers. I'm 75, but I, as a result, I'm past my use-by date. Uh, but I'm at the height of my powers, physically fit. I you know, swim you know, three or four times a week, uh, fence, uh, epee. Uh, and you know, I can go on you know, you know, getting up at Sparrow Fart and uh, shooting a 12-hour day uh, with the rest of them. Um, uh, possibly need to sleep in a bit more at weekends um, and certainly don't like six-day weeks. But... Uh, you know, whatever whatever needs to be done. I mean, once you get an assignment, you it's it, it's it's sort of like a wartime uh, mission. You carry it out, uh, whatever it takes. You've got seven days to shoot this episode, eight days to shoot this episode. Well, I remember episodes in six days when I did sort of stalkings back in the early nineties. Oh right. Um, yeah, and. Uh, uh, you think of a way to get the job done, and you, uh, in, in, you know. And uh, um, I've, you know, I've done 14-hour days uh, on Night of the Demons too a few times. Uh, but the crew, the core crew, stayed the extra two hours, and uh, they knew I needed the shots. They knew the budget was inadequate, the schedule was inadequate, but they liked the vision, mm. so they stuck with it. And so we got that wonderful sequence in Night of the Demons 2 where, you know, Angela is fucking Z-Boy. Uh, you know, uh, there was, you know, uh, this line in the, in the script that, you know, where's Z-Boy? And, you know, she gets frightened by some noise, a uh, breath of, you know, strange air that comes at her and says, fuck, well, fuck him and leaves. Well, uh-huh. If you see, if you show me a line in a script that says, "Well, fuck him," I'm going to probably want to do a shot where 
the demon is fucking Z-Boy. <laughs> so, um, and, you know, we spent an hour getting that shot. That was our 13. Uh, right on. But it, it's a great laugh, and we put a we put a false tongue on her, so she had this great serpent's tongue coming out of her mouth. She's riding him like a, you know, as a horse, and uh, uh, he's howling um, with a strange mixture of pleasure and pain. Uh, and uh, you know, we we lit her you know, bottom of the staircase and uh, shot that, and we yeah, you know, we, we we filled out those. You know, I just needed those extra what I would call money shots, the shots that get you a, uh-huh. a gasp or a laugh. Mm-hmm. Um, I met Amanda Kincaid a couple years oh. ago. So that was cool. Oh, yeah, yes. so, so I thought we'd uh, pick that up. My favorite <laughs> tiger bitch from hell, I call her. You know, whenever we speak to one another, I say, oh, Amanda, my favorite tiger bitch from hell. <laughs> and she is, is, is a you know a, a label that she's very happy to to you know it, it to me it, it, she she thinks it's a badge of pride, uh, and she was an amazing trooper. Uh, you know, she did a seventy you know, sorry, she did a twenty seven hour day, uh, the Ooh. very last day of the shoot of Night of the Demon Demons Two, and she had to get into full Angela makeup, which is generally two and a half to three hours because it's all in the finesse of the application with prosthetics. Uh, and then she had to hang around in partial or full costume for the various things we were plugging back into the film just to enhance you know, certain sequences. We'd been given extra money by the distributor due to the cast catching the flu and having to be down for two days. Oh. The distributor had liked the footage we'd shot for, you know, basically, you know, uh, 17, it's for 16 days. This is an 18 day shoot. Um, and uh, they said, you know, what if you finish your 18 day shoot, but we give you an extra $150,000 for a special unit that you. Uh, once the cast is back uh, out of the flu, uh, we give you 150 grand. You know, if you can get it done, if you can prepare in two days while they recover, shoot, do your shoot, and then have two days more, uh, will you deliver us a, a climax that tops climax you've already shot? So, yeah, is the Pope Catholic? Uh, sure, we can. <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, uh, yeah, our wonderful you know, effects department you know, uh, came up with uh, two gags, the teeter-totter gag, where she erupts from the wall uh, as a nine-foot-tall snake. Uh, <clears throat> and it's that eruption shot where more of the character comes out of the wall than a human being, you know, longer than a human being. So had to have a goodly section of that tail and had to make her stand up like a cobra. Uh, and, you know, you know, Steve came up with this you know, great you know, uh, teeter-totter device, which is something that's been used in LA, in, in, in Vegas magic, rather. Uh, and uh, so... That was a complex shot to do. There were other, you know, there are other shots we did with 
you know, one of the girls having breasts that expanded into hands that crushed another actor's hand and things like that. So we we filled basically a very long day with lots of complex special effects shots that maybe only delivered a few seconds each, but always took an hour to prepare. Mm -hmm. Um, But the key thing was that kept Angela, or kept Amelia Kincaid, around for 27 hours was the build-up for her makeup then the various shots she was in including where she had to drag you know a 10 foot tail behind her uh and uh that it, this was contrived by building a false floor to the existing location which we managed to do in that four days that we had um, and we, we we painted it in a checkerboard fashion and we had one whole board uh that was false that could well that was not connected to the rest of the floor that could move forward and so she could be positioned in the in a hole in it with her own legs uh, on knee pads on the floor and she would kneel and walk forward dragging her tail which was already on the uh on the movable floorboard uh, and so we did that whole sequence and we had wires to her tail for other shots where the tail lashed from side to side and then it enveloped one of the actresses so we wrapped it round the actress and we pulled it off her and shot it in reverse so it appeared a snake round her did all those tricks of the trade and then finally uh, at the 25th hour of the cruise of the shooting cruise day we blew her up. Uh, well, actually, we blew, you know, a dummy representing Amelia. Amelia was then in the process of being deconstructed from her extensive makeup because this stuff is quite toxic and it takes time to, put, to bring on, to put on, and it takes time to remove. Uh, and uh, so, you know, when we did Leprechaun, Warwick Davis was two minutes, two hours and 30 to 40 minutes in the chair getting ready and 45 minutes getting all the stuff off so he could go home. And that had, all of that had to fit into a, a, a 12-hour SAG day. Uh, anyway, wow. just a bit of background production information for you. But, you know, so when I say to my to Amelia, you know, you know, you're a great trooper, you know, you're my favorite tiger bitch from hell. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> it takes a certain kind of, you know, feminist balls to put up with men and then women poking and prodding you and painting you and, and, and having to endure that and to, to, to bottle your bladder until you could oh. get your tail off and then, <laughs> and then go to the toilet uh, and stuff like that. And, you know, there are stuff that, you know, actors in, you know, in these kind of effects movies have to go through and you know, generally stuntmen do. Now, she was kind of like the, the lead villain of the show. So, uh, but she had to do it all because, you know, when you've got a, a million three to make a picture like that, then, uh, um, you know, that, 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 that's, that's what has to happen. Uh, that, that was, she, you know, back, back in, you know, in 94, um, yeah. Now I know a million three seems a lot of money uh, when you're making a movie for twenty grand, uh, but um, you know it, it, the same disciplines can apply. It's all a question of 
how can you get everybody to do what you need for nothing? Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> then you make or, a great 20 grand movie. Yeah, <laughs> and ra- how you raise the funds and then have them work for free on set, basically. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, I'm um, afraid, look, but, and, and, and as long as everyone understands, they're helping your career, and one day you'll help them. And that's what uh, I've done you know, throughout my life. I'm doing. I'm not doing this for the money. I'm doing this for the story. You know. Mm-hmm. So you know. I, I it, right. It, right now there isn't any money in in indie film, but there. Every once in a while, you get a little bit of attention. Um, the stylist, the one that I associated produced this year, um, it actually got a distribution deal, and it's the first time I've ever had a film that I was attached. You mean on iTunes? Just. Um, it no, it, well, it is on iTunes, yes, uh, but it's on Apple TV and it's yeah, okay. on. We got uh, what's my call it? Uh, Fright Fest. Oh Arrow, my goodness, yeah. Arrow. Thank you, Raven. I was actually about to bring you in in here. Arrow Video picked it up. Oh, so, hey, so yeah. the, there's a, a revenue stream. Yeah, actually, they're making. A small one. It, it, it's their yeah. number one film streamed on their app. So, uh, no, you no. know, that, that is amazing, I actually. Think, so I highly what, recommend uh, it. If you want yeah. to see a shoestring budget, it looks fantastic. The stylist is a good little minimalist slasher. It's actually very good. So, good. Um, yeah. Well, um, I, have to, I have to check it out. There's yeah. so much to see, so much to read, so much to watch. There so many movies is. to go to. Oh my God! So much. Every now and again, I, I I have to go next door and and drink and smoke and have have a shot of tequila. So well, that's, that's what I did before this interview, um, and pretty soon I have to go and cook Excellent. my wife dinner. You know, okay. Well, she occasionally I, needs g- to be fed. Uh, do you have any more particular questions? I'm gonna um, if you can give us ten more minutes, then we can set. Sure, I can. Okay, great. Yeah. Um, we're going to throw it to my sexy witches and see if they have any questions. Oh, sexy I've been... witches. I like those. Yeah. So yeah. I'm going to Sorry, throw it to Sorry, that's probably politically incorrect, isn't it? Oh, well, I, this is a politically no, no. incorrect show. I mean, come on, we had oh, you on talking yes. about turkey shoot. <laughs> yes, know, yes, so. that, that is true. It's uh, <laughs> not the most politically correct movie in the world. Sorry, I'm just simply, I'm just moving to my bottle of wine. Excellent. Raven, why don't you ask our gen- our gentleman <laughs> sir a question, if you have one. I do. Well, Brian, it's nice to talk to you again. It's been too long. Oh, I hope well, you come you. back again as well. Um, no, I, I this... always come back to Sexy <laughs> Yay. Witches. Okay. This <laughs> was my first watch of Turkey Shoot. I watched a lot of your catalog last year, uh, but oh, I didn't. Uh, I don't think it was. <laughs> you said that the last time too. <laughs> but no, you did. It's easy. No, it's easy to love your work. It really oh, is. And Turkey Shoot was um, really. Uh, it was easily digestible, and it has that kind of '80s look that I just love. It is right up my alley, um, and. I got to say that one of the things that helped tie it all together is the scoring that was done by uh, Brian May. Not that Brian May, uh, but uh, (laughs) the other Brian May, who sadly passed away in 97. And um, the audience might know his work from 
the Mad Max films. Oh, and many films, yes. And, and I, many, I had many films. Well, just our, 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 our gang probably uh, is... Uh, well, uh, who's to say? It, he he has quite an ama- amazing catalog, and I was just wondering uh, what came first, the chicken or the egg, for Brian May, and um, and how that affected uh, the filmmaking, if at all. Well, I mean, Brian May was obviously a star composer, uh, uh, and he he was, you know well associated he uh, my producer started an association with him prior to turkey shoot i had uh-huh. made trailers for that producer i made over a hundred trailers for theatrically released movies over the years uh, and so i was very familiar with brian's scores and i thought mm-hmm. you know his pounding rhythms are you know, useful for the trailers um yeah uh, and uh, so, but he was basically the the in-house composer for Tony Ganane, and you know, good for him for grabbing young talent and giving it a chance, and then locking him yes. up. Uh, so, um, but he didn't have the budget for uh, Turkey because of the Turkey shoot issue, the, the budget issue, didn't have the the budget for a full orchestral score. So right. I said to Brian, you know, I've created this very anarchic, weird, uh, uh, non, you know, this 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 world where everything really is wrong, uh, right? Uh, and you know, the you know, it's an authoritarian regime, uh, and you know, it, it, it's like the upside down. If you know mm-hmm. your you know, that particular Netflix you know, series, yes, uh, I do. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, uh, and I'm sure you would, being, being a good Wiccan. Uh, but um, the um, so give me a score that reflects, you know, how discordant uh, uh, and strange and weird this new this future world of authoritarianism is. So yeah. and that's what he did. And he could only afford to do it with synthesized and therefore, you know, went to town and still gave me the pounding rhythms for the action scenes that I needed. It's badass. That score is just, it does so many things, um, yeah. but it always works in harmony with what's going on. It doesn't detract from it and it doesn't try to undermine anything that's happening on screen. It just, it flows really well. You know, um, it, what it reminded me really of, you mentioned it. that you, you think that tur- a Turkey Shoot is your, is your Fulci movie, basically. Um, and the score is very indicative mm-hmm. of what something Fabio Frizzi would do for his movie. Absolutely. Actually. There's yeah. something yeah. very gallow about it. Yeah, totally. So. Well, it's, it's interesting. If, if I'd said when the budget, you know, started to fall apart, oh, I can't do this, I can't put my name to this uh, I compromise my artistic vision um, uh, if the producer had then said uh, okay we're going to get Lucio Fulci to direct it, it would have been a good idea uh, so hmm. I was happy to do Lucio <laughs> Fulci that, you know, I never you know, contemplated quitting at all I'm not a quitter 
Uh, oh, so no okay. Ellen Smithy films Nixon for you. Said that. I was going to ask oh, yeah. that. I shouldn't if be you ever almost. That, should I? Uh, and, uh, <laughs> oh, you've done uh, it. Yes. Uh, but, 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 but no, I mean, I, I just, I'm the son of a fighter pilot. Uh, so, mm-hmm. um, I, and I, you know, I, I have a, you know, a wartime mentality as regards, uh, you know, uh, you know, making a movie, uh, because it's, right. you, you know, uh, it, it requires a certain level of military discipline and a certain determination and, you know, elasticity of thinking and good strategy, good tactics, etc. Um, so uh, it's an interesting chess game, particularly the shoot. Um, and so you know, those are my approaches. They may not be everyone else's approaches. I doubt if there's Scorsese's approaches uh, or, or Spielberg's, but um, I, I'm a little... But I'm, I'm, I'm not militaristic in the Michael Bay sense, which you know, right. seems to involve a Thank good God. deal of screaming. <laughs> Usually from the audience. I'm not a screamer, uh, and, and, and you know, yeah. uh, but I, 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 I'm a joker. Uh, I get my bees with honey. Uh, mm-hmm. Nice. Uh, I, I, I find a way to get everyone on board, and yeah, if you're not on board, you're going to feel pretty isolated. So make yeah. it up. Uh, All right. So, yeah, and, and that can apply to a big star. Um, yeah, and I've had an experience where, by the time, you know, ho- a hostile star became, you know, realized that the crew thought he was an asshole, and changed his, uh, yeah, changed his approach. So, wow. you know, that 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 can work, you know, but you you have yeah. to, you have to work at getting everyone on your side. All right, Aaron, one last question. Bring it home for us tonight. Well, uh, I, the question about the music was already uh, asked and answered. That would, be, would have been my first question because I really do very much enjoy the soundtrack. But um, looking over uh, the wide variety and wide genre of films and, and subjects that you've done uh, on screen, and uh, small and big, is there anything that you haven't done yet that you want to. Is there any, oh God. <laughs> <laughs> Too many movies, just so little time. You know, I, I know I'm wow. only 75. Maybe I've got 15 more good years. You, you know, there, there was a Amen. Spanish director who did not finish his last movie was when he was 91, I think. You know, there's hope for me yet. Um, um, I would love to do a glorious musical. Yes. Uh, <laughs> you're, you're talking to the right crowd here. Yes, yeah, you are. Yeah, I mean, something with a lot of singing and dancing and, and the opportunity for extraordinary visuals. Uh, uh, that would be good. Of course, it have to be harnessed to a to you know worthwhile story. But the, and it could be modern. It could be as you know as you know, as you know music video as you like, or as classical mm. as you like. Um, so you know, if somebody said, "Okay, I want you to remake the Sound of Music, uh, except do it in the jungle." 
okay, okay, I'll find a way. Um, and I'll find a way of making it sort of relevant to today. I'll probably, because it's the jungle, I'll bring in ethnicity and, uh, and ethnic mm. dance and ethnic music and blend it with, anyway, look, I'm, I'm fantasizing. But uh, in other words, you know, I would love to, to, to let my creative uh, Juices work upon uh, a musical and uh, that that's you know, served the story that it uh, that it had to tell. Um, but certainly, I'd I'd like to do another war movie that reflected some of the moral dilemmas that have come out of our experiences of the last twenty years, the post nine eleven years. I mean, I, 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 yeah. I see nine eleven time of crisis uh, about the first ten days in the White House. Uh, uh, a house I did not particularly approve of at the time. Uh, yeah. Um, yes. yeah, in its response to 9/11, but I, I, I made a, f- a docudrama to a script that I believed was factual, and I have no, yeah, and I'm, I'm convinced that it was a reasonable depiction of what went on in those, you know, White House circles in those panic-stricken first ten days. Now, what happened after that? Is another matter, and I think we kind of hinted that because I couldn't depart from the text. But we uh, we, we kind of hinted that that they were planning Iraq really from the first night. Yeah, uh, but it was the pretext they needed. Uh, I don't subscribe that they provided the pretext, and and the 9/11 was a put-up job. I don't subscribe to that, uh, but it happened. Uh, there are forces out there that, that hate America, and they finally, you know, got it together to you know, give us a bloody nose. And unfortunately, yeah. our response to it has has caused us to bleed, you know, far too much. And the Afghan people have bleed far too much uh, for the next 20 years. How they will yeah. do uh, now, I don't know, but I think it was a wise decision uh, to say. Yeah, you know, they have to sort it out themselves. We can't, we can't put the, this leaky band-aid on them uh, anymore, yeah. and, and, and think that we're doing any good. So, rip it off. Pain, agony, uh, yeah, a lot of suffering. But at the end of the day, every country has to decide you know, how they want to live, and. Uh, I'm quite sure that no one will want to live under, you know, radical Islam in Afghanistan for long. Uh, mm-hmm. And I, yeah. I, I have a, I, I have a hope that the Taliban realise that, and they're they're finally going to, uh, you know, uh, try to bring some order to the country to to defeat corruption, endemic, systemic corruption. Um, and you know, maybe they'll they'll gradually modernize their modernize their, 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 their attitude to women, uh, and maybe they'll find that actually things work better when you do that. Uh, and so, I think we we have to let them have that dangerous experiment because, frankly, we fucked it up for the last twenty years. We didn't remotely understand their culture. Yeah. We understand that they don't have. A country. They don't think of themselves as a country. They think of themselves as a series of tribes that live adjacent to one another and get on or 
don't get on, as the case may be, and that's the way it's always been. And to think that we could democratize them in 20 years was absolute, you know, hubristic, you know, white supremacist insanity in my, in my view. Yeah. But there again, uh, this will get me shot by the local militia. So perhaps I should say no more because uh, I do live in a militia district. Uh, but, yeah. Uh, Anyway, um, but I love it up here, by the way, uh, and uh, I'm sitting out here looking at the sun setting on my Douglas fir t- trees and uh, 150 foot tall all around me, uh, deer come to be fed, uh, and uh, squirrels run on, across my shoes, uh, birds twitter constantly, um, and there's so many shades of green in Oregon, you wouldn't believe. So uh, I, I've really embraced rural life, which means I've come to a greater understanding of conservatism in a way and see how it's really terribly. terribly pers- I, I, look, I, I can see how it's been badly perverted. I, I understand mm-hmm. rural values. Perhaps conservatism is, conservatism is, 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 not, is, is the wrong word. And I put, I'm veering into politics on a, what should be a terrible <laughs> sci-fi. Uh, but there again, I made these anti-authoritarian movies like, you know, uh, yeah. Dead Shoot and Dead End Drive-In and, uh, and yeah. some other subversive films. But, I, I, you know, I, 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 I have a positive view of America and uh, I think this administration is doing its best uh, and hopefully mm. will triumph despite all attempts to prevent it doing so. Uh, and mm. we just have to depend upon the goodwill of human beings in America to seek common sense and, and you know, just do the things that have been waiting to be done and uh, yeah. to improve American life for 20 years and break the, you know, the, the, the you know, terrible you know, gridlock of Congress and, and, and make government more functional. But you know, the here, authoritarians here. can only survive if they can paint government as ineffectual and therefore you need us to tell you what to do. Yeah. Uh, and uh, so that's, you know, and that's something that I was, uh, you know, trying to point out in Turkey Shoot, though obviously in a fairly grotesque and uh, kind of, you know, high camp and comic strip way. But in, but that's all part of genre homage. And uh, mm-hmm. uh, I, I I was in the early days of the Reagan years. I wanted to point out to the end result of authoritarian rule, where you you end up with Saddam's Iraq in a way where the mm. ruling elite, yeah. his outlaw sons, can pluck women off the streets and rape them and throw them back out of the car. Uh, you can have you know, that kind of crime without impunity uh, in an authoritarian yeah. state. Now, obviously, America's way uh, you know, far from that. But you know, look at that mob on you know, January the 6th. And, Think what they would yep. do if they had power and mm-hmm. you know, had the numbers that they believe they have. You know, the so-called silent majority is actually much less of a majority than they claim. Uh, yeah. And uh, so, uh, you know, I, I hope the common sense will prevail. Uh, I, you know, I, I don't ridicule people except anti-vaxxers, I do ridicule them. Uh, I don't ridicule Trumpers, 
I feel sorry for them, uh, and I hope that they will get better soon. Uh, and I don't know whether too many of them are listening to your podcast, probably. Um, well, well, they're probably, horror, probably not. Horror, they go they probably way. don't like Wiccans. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> well, no, they like, like Wiccans. Wiccans I like fine. Wiccans. They, they're lovely. It, well, I mean, of course we do. We love, Wiccans yeah. love you greatly. So, I mean, you, you, I mean you, you've you, done a lot of films that are, you know, Wiccan adjacent. So, you know, <laughs> Leprechaun 3. <laughs> well, well, I'm pleased about that. I, I need to do a really good Wiccan film, obviously. Yes. Oh, well, look, well there's have... always the room for more sexy witches in our lives. I so... do it all the time. All the time. A sexy witch movie is, is certainly for me. Now, I'm going to have to go soon, but yeah, it's a real I was pleasure say, to talk um, to you all. So, once again, where can they find uh, Alice Through the Multiverse? That's your, um, that's your narrative book, yep. and then Adventures in the B-Movie well, Trade, your you memoir. Find... Yeah. Yeah, you can find both books on uh, Amazon and Kindle. Alice Through the Multiverse is uh, a time-twisting tale that takes place in the 16th century and present day simultaneously um, uh, by virtue of a past-life swap, a perfectly reasonable device. But this enables me to combine Game of Thrones with The Born Identity on Freaky Friday and have a, an 18-year-old uh, uh, you know, uh, female protagonist um, who is smarter than the guys. Um, perhaps one of the reasons, it, it, which I wrote it as a screenplay and originally, and it was optioned and put pitched to Kira Knightley and, you know, or her agent, or uh, Scarlett Johansson uh-huh. and her agent, but I doubt if the four girls ever read the script. Anyway... It uh, never, you know, it was well thought <laughs> of, but never got made. It was one of those films that people thought, yeah, this would be great. This is back in 2007, 2008. So I novelized mm-hmm. it, and it became what is now Alice Through the Multiverse, a time-tripping uh, revisionist history action adventure uh, with you know, a lot of par- paranormal trimmings and some musings on you know, fate and God and all sorts of other things, which I, yeah, wow. uh, thought I would. Yeah. So it's a ripping yarn. I don't. It's not Shakespeare, uh, though. I believe it is quite <laughs> well written, and it is, uh, um, you know, you will have moments of wit that will amuse you. Uh, so that that's you can get that on Amazon and Kindle, and so can you get uh, Adventures in the you know, B Movie Trade, which is 580 pages, 200 of which contain photographs. And uh, it is, you know, uh, it's autobiographical, but it's also trying to reflect the joy of making movies, the history of the technology and how it evolved, uh, how, in a way, you know, production evolved, how the production politics evolved, uh, and all sorts of, you know, uh, hair-raising incidents and uh, uh, and you know, interesting encounters that I had, let's say. So I, 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 I it's not a gossipy film, a gossipy book rather. Uh, I'm generally nice to everybody, though a few people get a, uh, you know, a, an arrow in the heart, uh, but very few. Uh, but uh, but you know, I think it, and it's self-critical. 
And I think that's one thing that is important for filmmakers to always retain is an ability to be self-critical and to know when you've actually made a mistake or to understand that you might have made a better creative decision, but also to understand what it is about your filmmaking persona that is good and you have to stick with it. So I think that, you know, that's my sermon from the Mount to all you indie filmmakers <laughs> who are out there. I hope there are tons of you because I hope you go and buy my book. Uh, <laughs> not that I'm living off it, so to speak, but I, let's say I'm in the black. Um, and I'm in the process of starting to write another book. Uh, I'm not quite sure where it's heading. It's, an, it's, it, it's similarly, a, it's like adventures. It's about cinema. It's about censorship. It's about uh, awesome. the various anomalies of censorship that I've encountered. It's a personal journey through censorship. And I have been Very subject cool. to censorship a lot. Uh, well, so, I will buy that book too, and I will invite you on when it's ready, and we'll talk about another awesome book. Yeah. Yep. So, yes. Thank you very much. And, uh, thank you, thank you so much, sir. Thank you for your appreciation and understanding of my work, and I wish everyone listening Absolutely. the best of luck with their work. Uh, we we oh. loved you when you were on before, and, and no, we we still love you, sir. You're awesome. And once again, I'm saying I I, I look up to you. And now that I get to play in that world a little bit, you're definitely an inspiration for me. So thank you. Well, thank you, Catherine. Anyway, I will now say officially, good night. Good night, good and night. have a great dinner. Good night. Okay. Bye-bye. <laughs> Bye bye. Bye. So that was Brian Trenchard Smith, director of Dead End Driving, Turkey Shoot, Night of the Demons 2, Leprechaun 3 and 4, one of my favorites called The Quest, which stars the kid that was in E.T. It's also called Frog Dreaming. That movie is really good. Yeah. Oh um, BMX Bandit. BMX Bandit. Which yeah. is Nicole Kidman's yeah, first movie. Yeah, love that as a kid. You know, it, it, there's just so much good in his catalog. There's something for everyone. Yeah. Man from Hong Kong has one of the best um, explosions in a movie. Um, and all of his oh earlier God. films have great stunts in them. Um, he's also, yeah. was the one with, uh, is it Deadly Games? Is that the one with uh, Jamie Lee Curtis and uh, Stacey uh, Keach, I believe it is? I mean, I'm he just... Sure. It, yeah, there's just so many great things that he's directed or been a producer. The one that he uh, mentioned, uh, DC 9-11 Time of Crisis, the one that's sort of a semi-documentary, uh, the, the first 10 days after 9-11, is uh, on IMDb TV if you have that app. I'm, I'm going to give that a, a look because it sounds really good. Yeah, no, he he knows his stuff, and and and, and I I'm so thankful he's on. And before we hey, sign man. off for the evening, sexy witches, I am going to make a madness preview, and I am going to read. What? I have in front of me the list of the initial seated movies for the madness. Oh so, my god. I'm not telling you what teams they're on or who they're associated with. We're just going to read the names of the movies, even though if you'll rec- probably recognize your own film. But do keep mum because we don't want people we don't want people voting for their team right. to get their team win. We want right, people right. to generally vote right. for the movies that they care about. And I will and equally movies, appreciate each title. Yes. Exactly. And and when you watch the film while the film is active, you get points. 
like you would um, if it was a, you get two points, like you would if you were watching a movie in the older point system. So let's say you have two films against each other um, while that, that window is open, which will be a minimum of 48 hours, but could go longer depending on, the, on uh, how I, I space it out. Uh, and you can get, you can claim points for watching those two films. And we'll talk about the rules themselves on our next show, which is Wednesday the 22nd. Um, so that's going to be the live rules read of the Madness Halloween Horror Movie Marathon Madness Battles to the Death. And um, instead of having a binge contest like we normally do, we're going to have a battle bracket. Um, and I and films are going to compete against each other, and and the person who wins the battle bracket, every any any film that wins gets points to the person that put put it in the bracket. Win this year will be points and or the battle bracket. Um, so two winners this year for the madness, and here they are. Are we ready? Roll. Now there's two films yeah. I'm not going to announce here that we have aside as kind of wild card. We'll put those aside. Um, Raven and I have two films that if we are short a person on the bracket, we will enter into the bracket. Or if someone claims it ahead of time, that's good, too. Um, but the rest of them I can go ahead and announce. And one of them is They Live, 1988. The reason it's in the bracket is because of the famous eight-minute fight scene in the middle of it and um, any film that has a, a professional wrestler can be entered into the bracket and of course we've got not one but two in that movie um, Turkey Shoot like we said 1982 um, you know Hunting Humans clearly why the most dangerous yeah. game its predecessor from 1932 is also on the battle bracket already uh, we have a kaiju movie uh, I think it's a, one of the Godzilla movies um, giant monster all-out attack from 2001 um, so you know obviously a versus fight movie um, Terminator uh -huh. 2 is in the bracket uh, Psycho Gorman from 2000 from this year 2021 is in the bracket mm. um, Vampire Girl versus Frankenstein Girl, 2009, and Scott Pilgrim versus the World. So those are that's all the um, movies in the that are seated into the battle bracket, and the rest of them will be done by the contestants that um, agree to be part of the Halloween Horror Movie Marathon Madness right after the podcast when I test the rules in Facebook. I have no idea how I'm going to do it this year because they got rid of my notes. Huh. Um, but oh, um, yeah. I, I might have to just do it in the files and then link the file to and pin it to the top. But that's all in a couple weeks. We got a mean time. Take a break. Enjoy yourselves. We'll come back on the 22nd. Once again, and thank you, Brian Trenchard-Smith, for being on the show. Raven, thank you for being on as usual. Absolutely. And Aaron, always a pleasure. Uh, my treat, absolute. All right, R real quick, Aaron, give them, give them where can they find you on the interwebs? Because we can't find you um, on Facebook sadly, anymore. You can't <laughs> find me on Facebook anymore. You can find me on the Twitter at Aaron Sama thirteen thirteen. All right, and Raven, where can they find you? Um, if, uh, yeah, I do find me on Twitter right now. I'm at Raven R A V Y N Looney L O O N Y, and I'm sassy. Actually, I'm entering <laughs> contests, but I'm winning stuff, and it's cool. You can win stuff too, and then I share weird memes. So whatever. 
<laughs> Great. And you can always find At Sexy Witches on Blog Talk Radio, their Facebook page, At The Sexy Witches, or you can friend me on my personal profile where most everything can be found, Elizabeth Catherine Gray on Facebook. Um, I also have three groups that I manage, um, Halloween Horror Movie Marathon Madness, and you must be part of that group if you want to participate in the contest this October. Um, the FB Film Geek Circle, which is the general film group, we talk about that um, films of all kinds and film festivals and then the small but significant rogues of Tossie Station which is the science fiction science group um, that is once a chat nerded up that's a great place to go and also you can find me on the Twitters at the sexy witches and at cave Pearl EKG so that's it we're done for the night 22nd come back listen to well the madness is upon us already and Halloween season has just started it's Fuck official. Yeah. So, you know, all the, the, I'm going to be busy. The next few weeks are going to be so busy, and I'm so excited. So, um, you know, I can't wait. And I've got a couple of things up my sleeve for the Halloween episode. So I'm going to try to snag a guest. But I'm going I'm to keep mums until I, like, get that person. But I have... I might be able to get a really good Halloween guest this year. So uh, fingers crossed. And um, we'll leave you tonight with the uh, end credits of Turkey Shoot uh, by Brian May. No, not that Brian May, the other Brian May. And um, have a good evening. Blessed be. Good film hunting. And I'll see you in the madness in two weeks.